On today's episode of The Real Dirt, we speak to Austin from Americana. He's gone from the grow room to the boardroom. We talk about infused cannabis products, whole plant extracts, and what he does in a grow day. Everything from clones to hand watering and harvest. So join us on this episode of The Real Dirt. One more time again, we're here with The Real Dirt. And on today's Dirt, I've got Austin from Americana. What's up, Austin? Not much, man. Just finished a hard day of work and come here to hang out with you. Oh, awesome, dude. I'm glad you got to spend the twilight of your day here. You know, I always love it when guests bring cannabis-related things. Thanks for uh, some uh, ganja puffs. Not a problem. Right, right. That's what that's what we're calling them, yep, right? Puffs. These are the Americana Puffs. Americana Puffs. And these are, uh, you can see them on our website when you see this episode. They're marshmallows. Yeah, right? it's kind of like a marshmallow gummy hybrid. <laughs> yeah, they look great. They're nice and green, and they're 10 milligrams. That's right. Right. Tell us what Americana is, man. Uh, Americana is an infused edibles manufacturer out of Boulder, Colorado. We are pioneered by Dan Anglin. We uh, grow our own plants. We extract the whole plant. We use that whole plant extract to make a distillate, which we then use to infuse our proprietary candy. Distillate's just been uh, inserted into our new cannabis vocabulary. It's something mm-hmm. we like to talk about, the expanding vocabulary of yeah. cannabis. Uh, it used to be hash oil. That's right. Right. And uh, it's now it's gone all the way from that to distillate. Hey, could you give me your explanation of what that is? A distillate is, uh, what we'll do is we'll take the raw extract out of uh, an extraction machine, be it butane or CO2, even an ethanol extractor. Uh, We'll winterize that, which is cleaning up the fats and the sterols and anything that, you know, comes from the plant that we don't want. Uh, Once it's all filtered, we'll throw it into a rotovapor machine, which removes the excess ethanol. Then we will put that into a short path distillation machine, which essentially boils each individual component of your reagent, which is the starting material. And we use different condensers and condenser types to collect each of those constituents. And uh, what we're left with is a mid 90 percentile of cannabinoid uh, resin. At the end of that, it's a nice golden color. Uh, I'll make sure you guys get some pretty good pictures so you can put it up on your website. Oh, great. Um, Mm -hmm. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So you've stripped off all the terpenes. Yeah, terpenes come out first usually. Mm-hmm. And and then you concentrate it to a mid-90s percent THC. Of, yep, total right. cannabinoids, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, depending on the, the strains you use, it can, the THC level will be in the you know high 80s to really low 90s. And then depending on your CBNs and CBDs and all that, will make up the rest of that number. So you, you guys are an edible company. You grow your own cannabis there at your location right. in Boulder, Colorado, and you extract it and make it into edibles. And you've got a vape pen on the way out too, right? Yep. There's a the vape pen in the works. Um, it's pretty close to hitting the market. So we'll see in the next few weeks where that goes. Distillate vape pen? Yes. All right. So are you guys recombining the terpenes back into the, for the vape pen? I believe they're going to be mixed strain specific and they'll have combinations of strains and terpenes like that. So um, there should be a nice selection and a good variety. You know, I'm going to have to start working on this, but for the past three podcasts, we haven't had a lighter. 
when we decided to like <laughs> smoke a joint. So, uh, which was, you know, like constantly on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hash oil has always fascinated me or concentrates have always fascinated me. Another new vocabulary, you know, for cannabis, you know, when I was first exposed to hash, it was through hash books and, um, through, uh, uh, hash oil, you know, polym or sheaved hash that was pressed of some sort. Right. right? Man, that's a far cry from 96% pure. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. When it's almost clear, uh, well, it, it is clear. It's just a really light, light hint of yellow, especially, you know, if you've been around it for any number of years and, you know, these past couple of years, these clear things have been coming out even in the past four or five years with live resin, like getting them, those colors and consistencies were blowing people away. Now they're practically white and uh, very, very potent. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to thank you to our uh, executive technical producer, uh, Seth Marcus, for bringing us a lighter. Your job is you're the uh, assistant operating manager there, and you've gone from kind of grow room to the boardroom here, we like to say. Exactly. Uh, from grower to grow manager. And now you're involved in the technical aspects of getting the kitchen, the lab, and the grow to work together. Let's, let's talk about like what you do on a day-to-day. My goal starting out each morning is to find any fires that need to be put out that may have come up overnight, literally overnight. Right. Uh, and then once, I, once I've identified any any major things that, that need to happen or haven't hap- hasn't happened yet, uh, I strive for harmony. I want to make sure that all of our employees are happy, you know, that they're, they have all their needs met. They have all the equipment that they need, um, that they're, you know, fine on a personal level. You know, I don't, I don't like to, uh, push people too hard when I know that they're dealing with stuff in their own life because I've been there and I've done that. And I know how it is when a boss is, you know, very unforgiving and unwilling to, you know, Mm. understand and relate to that. So I I like to make sure, you know, know, and that's the best way to, uh, to keep stuff moving forward is, is oh yeah, your people get you there, man. Oh yeah, if you everyone's can't do happy, anything without your employees, exactly. Uh, and I've seen it a few times in this company. You know, we've gone through employees, and some of the people who have been there a little longer just were not happy with the way things were going. And those people tend to weed themselves out and right. find their own place to go. So it's it's just a day to day. Yeah, absolutely. There is a uh, big thanks out to all my previous employees. Just figure I'd give it out right there. Uh, they've, yep. they've definitely got me to where I am. Uh, even, totally. even some of the ones that might not have left in the, the best manner, they got fired or quit. They, they still help me out in several ways. Thanks guys. Exactly. Yeah. Right. There's, there's been several employees of mine that have, I, I hated to fire them, but you know, when it, at the end of the day, when it comes down the tree, I don't have any other option, you know, and they're doing better now, you know, mm-hmm. and they use the, what they learned working with us and, and, you know, hopefully from me to make themselves a better employee in the future. Not that they were bad employees. Like I said, I, you know, I, I hated firing them, but you know. Right. How many employees do you have? Right now we probably have around 30 All full-time right. employees. And how do you source these individuals? Right now we've probably got about half from Craigslist and then about half word of mouth. I know a guy that's where I used to work with this person, that sort of thing. And, and is it people from all over the country or world that have come to you? Um, yes, actually. Uh, well, I don't know about world, but uh, definitely all they have to be U.S. citizens and they have to be Colorado exactly, you know, citizens, yeah. so to speak. Uh, we've got North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Texas, 
think Wyoming at California. So we've got some some people from around the around the country. Oh yeah, man! What an exciting time to be young and want to be involved in the cannabis industry. Oh yeah, and we've actually mm-hmm. got several employees who aren't young at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got uh, one of our guys. He used to install like uh, security systems, and he was a automated security technician for a long time. And he said, "Well, I don't need to do this anymore. I want to do something fun." And he started out as a packager, and he's you know a really great employee and he's looking to move up, uh, you know, in the industry, just like everyone else is. It's, it's interesting to see the different types of people and their different types of expectations and where they, they want to go in the industry. It's, uh, you know, it's just so open-ended and people from so many walks of life help make it that way. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We get all kind of great people that come through our doors too, from all over the country that moved to Colorado to be involved in this, in this new and exciting thing that's happening. We have all walks of life for sure. Hey, you know what? I think this is a perfect time to take a break. Uh, So this is Chip, The Real Dirt. I got Austin here from Americana. We'll be right back. These new episodes are made possible through some really awesome partnerships. We want to form long-term relationships with other entities who have similar goals. Thanks to Grower Soil, a line of soil and nutrients manufactured and developed right here in Colorado. Also, thanks to Cultivate Colorado with two stores in the Denver metropolitan area. Cultivate has one of the largest selections of indoor horticultural equipment in the known universe. So stop by if you have any growing needs. Grow your dreams, cultivate your legend. All right, we're back. It's The Real Dirt with Chip Baker, and today I've got Austin from Americana. As we grow older and go through life, Often people depart our ways. I've, I've recently had a, a good uh, high school buddy pass away, uh, Mark Whitehead. And uh, Mark was always, always a, a good time and, a, and uh, good fun. And uh, we we're all sorry to see him go. But we're going to dedicate this episode to Mark. I'm not sure, but I just bet Mark would love some ganja food. So... Austin, you you started at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You started uh, just sweeping the floor, so to speak, just like those guys from Craigslist. How did you come to work for Americana? I actually got my job via Craigslist. Uh, my first trimming job, I worked for uh, Shear Solutions out of Patient's Choice in, uh, in Denver. And then um, a few months later, after that didn't quite work out, I literally was across the street at Mindful. One of the ladies that I was working with at uh, my first position, saw the mess that it was as a, but a good idea, a temporary employer for, you know, staffing, uh, trimming positions, you know, packaging positions for short-term things like that. And so she started her own called Hemp Temps. And so I got a job at Hemp Temps and I worked, I bounced around for about two weeks and then I landed at Gaia Plant-Based Medicine, which is now Mindful. Um, After, I think, uh, my first week there, they bought me they just bought me out from her uh, along with another person. And um, I was a trimmer there for uh, at Mindful or Gaia at the time for uh, about, I don't know, seven or eight months there. Uh, I, I, you know, just applied myself the same way I got hired. I uh, just, I just, I was, I just did myself, you know, I, uh, I worked really hard every day. Eventually the trim boss, you know, got axed. Um, and I temporarily did that for maybe a week before they hired someone else. And then 
the uh, the master grower Philip Haig uh, used to stop by all the time. You know, come to the trimming tables because that's where his good weed was. He wanted to come check it out. You know, uh, so he he was always stopping by and talking to us. And he you know he saw the people doing you know the work and stuff like that. So I uh, he handpicked some people from you know the trim team, and eventually I was uh, in the on the cultivation team. And uh, from there, I kind of uh, me and another guy that came from the from the trim team, we kind of gravitated towards the the, cult, the uh, propagation department, the veg, um, because there wasn't any full-time employees in there. It was just kind of the growers, oh, I guess it's my turn to do this today. Um, so we kind of took that under our wings and um, made sure that everything got done in there every day. We, we, we talked a lot to Phil. He, you know, we learned so much from Philip. Uh, he's a really smart man. And, uh, we uh we were at one point taking a thousand clones a day, mm-hmm. um with about a ninety seven to ninety eight percent uh root rate uh after we you know we we called a lot on purpose just because we had the the numbers but um we uh we turned uh, the the propagation into something that was uh a really a sight to see uh we hand built watering tables and drip systems and came up with our own ways of doing things and changed what was there and just completely turned it into a, uh, yeah, a machine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We were harvest. They were, they were harvesting a thousand plants a week out of room. So, you know, we were taking, taking a lot. Yeah, right. And, uh, I worked there for about three years, you know, through their transition into mindful and, uh, things started getting weird as they do with, uh, the executive level and, uh, I was pretty much only there for Philip at that point to see what happened with him and where he goes. So I wound up leaving Mindful because it just wasn't wasn't for me anymore at that point. And um, yeah, the weed hit me too, man. Yeah, yeah, bro. <laughs> like, what yeah. is this? It's pretty good, dude. This is a CSI genetic. It's called Old Family Purple. It's a Urkel Triangle cross. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. So I left there, and uh, I was. Uh, I didn't work for about a month, and then Philip called me one day and said, "Hey, I want you to call my buddy in in Boulder. You know, he needs he needs some help in his grow. You know, if you want to go up there and work." And I was like, "You know, okay." And I, it was Dan England. Um, mm-hmm. Called him up, and um, turns out their head grower at the time was uh, someone a, a buddy of mine. Actually, I didn't even know he was there, and so uh, I started working for their grow team uh, just as a cultivator. And again, I uh, applied myself, and I did my thing and I turned, turned it around Their Their head grower didn't work out. And, um, uh, Dan gave me the position temporarily. And, um, I just, he just told me to just take it and I would get a fair shot at it and they were going to interview people. And I was fine with that. And then, uh, after about another week of improvements, he pretty much told me it, it was just mine if I wanted it. You're a hard worker. That's what's going on. Here. Yeah. So I see this trend. Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, so, th- so this is how you get a job in Colorado is you look on Craigslist yep. and then you work harder than everybody else when you show up at the job. Exactly. You work way harder <laughs> than everyone else. Yeah. Or where, as hard as the hardest from, work. Where are you from, Austin? I'm from Florida. Mm. A little town called Ponce de Leon. Ponce de Leon. Sure, man. I'm from Macon, Georgia. Mac town. Yeah, my dad was from Clearwater. Okay. Right. And still got a bunch of family. Panama. Yeah, that's where area. my mom's from. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm glad I'm not sweating my ass off down there right now. Oh no, now. I was I was just there two weeks ago. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was. You know how it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just tropical for sure. Oh yeah, right. It's tropical. 
what do you guys make over there, man? Uh, we make candy. Well, mm-hmm. we don't make the candy. We infuse it. We source our candy from one of the six candy manufacturers in the world. Yeah, we infuse it. And then we package it and sell all right. it. All, all over Colorado. Yeah. Right. All over the state. Right. Not, and not just this cool product here either. Uh, we have uh, the puffs, uh, our line of puffs. That's right. And then we also have a line of just like a, a more normal kind of gummy candy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for anyone who's had this, our gummies, um, we actually have a new type of gummy coming. We switched recipes, switched actually manufacturers. Mm. And uh, they're made with fruit juice. And let me tell you, they mm, are delicious. Sweet. Like, Good we gotta, job, man. Yeah, they're uh, they're going to be really, they're going to be a hit. Yeah, get rid of the uh, natural sugar, exactly. as they're calling corn yeah. syrup now, yeah. right? Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> Yeah, man. So you mentioned this this interesting topic earlier, uh, whole plant extracts. Tell me what this is. Tell me how you guys do this. We start by harvesting the plants. Obviously, what we do is at uh, at the point of harvest, we will harvest. We will remove any material that doesn't have trichomes on it. So most of the fan leaves come off, and then um, we will minimally trim any other part of the plant. Uh, just any tiny bit that doesn't have any uh, THC visibly on it, any trichomes, and then we hang them up to dry. Uh, we dry them. Uh, we're not really worried about collecting uh, terpenes at this, you know, mainly. So uh, we'll dry them out over about a week, and they hang dry. And when they're done hang drying, we take them down and we, with scissors, remove the buds all the way down the the plant. And then so everything is. It's it's just all one big batch, so uh, we don't trim the buds down any farther than that. We don't break them down. So what ends up happening is the leaves will actually uh, fall down and dry onto the buds and help protect our calyxes. Um, it helps us get a really, even on our first extract, a really rich golden color oil. It's We make some of the best hash and, and buds in the industry, and actually I can, I'll provide you guys some pictures, but we don't sell a gram of it. Oh, pictures don't prove it, though. I'm going to have to have more than that. All right, well, uh, all right, I'll see what I can do about <laughs> but, that. Well, well I, I need to be involved in the QC program you have. Okay, I'll just give you a tour one day. Yeah, that's what I def- definitely need a tour, man. I love seeing weed. I love it. I love seeing how people do it differently, the technology, you know, uh, the application of the individual technology, how they solve their, their problems. Totally, right? yeah. It's yeah. If you don't have some good problem solvers on your team, you have a hard time in this industry for sure. Right? Could you like say like the top three things that make like a a good good grower? Uh, you got to be a hard worker. You got to love to get dirty and sweaty and just you know just tired. You you got to like that. You got to like spending a day doing something you you really love doing, and you got to really love doing it. So I guess that's the second thing. <laughs> uh, you you got to really love the plant. You got to really love biology. You got to really want to understand both of them because, you know, without that, you're not, you're probably not going to grow very good pot. Yeah, right. And that's the goal, right? Right, right. So <laughs> awesome. So work hard, love the work. Don't be a shitty person. <laughs> like, really? Uh, yeah, totally, huh? Uh, yeah, you got to, you got to treat people right. You know, that shit comes you gotta around. Got to work with people. Yeah, yeah. yeah totally. You know, who wants to be on top when everyone hates you? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of, uh be real, like, awesome the way I say this, if I say it right. There's a lot of duly given confidence. Cannabis growers, they're in their own communities growing weed, 
and they become like the source of the best weed no matter what. Yeah. You know, nobody's around. There's yep. one guy in Indiana. There's one guy, you know what I'm yep. saying? Oh, yeah. And uh, like, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're kind of a local spun hero, right? Totally. And then like when they come here to work in the industry, that, that the bubble gets popped a little bit. They're one of hundreds now. Oh, yeah. Right. Instead of the, like the man. Exactly. Right. And it can take like a minute to it, digest it, for people. It totally can. Not only that, but uh, the type of the type of cultivation is just so different um, throughout the country. Well, from from your basement or your closet to you know, 150 light rooms, 500 light rooms. There's, uh, you know, I've met a lot of these guys you're talking about, and they come in, and you know, I smoke their weed. It's bomb. They grew it at home. Yeah, like totally. they, they they got it nailed in at home. But you know, you put them. You put them in, in a room with a thousand plants, and suddenly, it's just not the same. Uh, if you you know you you give them, you give them their own sections that that they you know they feed their own way that you know they mm-hmm. they're supposed to you know show you what they got, and it's just you know you you let them try probably three more times than you should, um, <laughs> until you you know you make them change their ways or you 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 get rid of them. So. Um, um, Cause yeah, I've seen I, I've seen both. I've seen I've seen that, and I've also seen people come in and just you know, uh, this is what I do at home, and we're like, yeah, well, this is how we're gonna do it because of yada yada yada, and they're like, oh wow, that that's that's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna start trying that at my house too, and then they come back and they're like, oh my god, you know, this is I didn't know it would work like that at home too, and you're like, we're like, yeah, that's why we do it here. So, <laughs> uh, but that those are far fewer than the first. Let me say that. Right. Most guys just can't because, like you said, they are they're they're King Dong back home, and mm-hmm. they they come out here and well, yeah, I, that's really great weed, dude. But I grew some of this. Look at that. It's look, it's just right. as good, you know. Uh, look at my buddies, you know. <laughs> so right, right, yeah. The it's hard to take the there's aspects of home growing that can't that that you can't totally. really commercialize or scales. Totally. You know, a lot of it you can. Right. A lot of it's just all, it's all the same stuff, man. It's all just, you know, cutting root growth, canopy development, know your strain, then like room control, temperature, humidity, Yep. you know, like that's, that's how it works no matter what, but uh, it's how you get there. Totally. It's how you get there. You know, are you in a, are you in a Volkswagen bug or, you know, do you have an F-350? Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. We have a jalopy for sure. But, uh. You get what you put into it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, hey, man, we, we, we put a lot of effort in that joint. Let's take another break and get us some water here. Awesome. All right, Chip from The Real Dirt. I'm here with Austin. I got to get incredible thanks out to Denver Normal. They're an organization that advocates for the rights of every marijuana consumer in the Mile High City while also creating long-lasting partnerships with local businesses that share our value. Thanks, Denver Normal. It takes people like you to really make the change. And we're back. It's Chip Baker here with my buddy Austin from Americana, thinking about uh, my wild and crazy buddy Mark Whitehead. This guy was the craziest guy. You got any of these friends that are like this? I mean, just like... As soon as they walk into the room, it's a fucking 
fireball. Yeah. Right. Yep. This this was Mark, man. Yep. He was just, you know, always the instigator, yep. always like, you know, made the party happen for sure. Totally. Right. And, you know, j- good guy too. like, you know, help people out, work, work for free. Right. Totally. Really polite, you know, to, to his parents in the later years. <laughs> oh, good old Mark. Uh, hey, uh, Austin, um, tell me about your grow day, man. What happens on a grow day? On a grow day. <clears throat> well, uh, the grow day starts at 6 a.m. Because, uh, well, uh, I like to get there early. Get early. Yeah, All right. I like to get, get up it's and get going. It's farmer's day. Yeah. It's like farmer's day. Totally. Start yeah. out early. Yeah. I never thought I'd, I'd be a farmer in high school. And turns out I just became a weed farmer. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I get to work at 6 a.m. And the first thing you do is uh, you walk all the rooms that are on. Um, you look for problems. Uh, you look for fans not on. You look for lights not on. You look for the wrong temperatures, the wrong humidities, um, a door that should be sucked closed or blowing open, not doing that. Look for any fires to put out. Um, uh, if you're a manager, you're going to do a lot more. Uh, you're going to probably check uh, security systems if that's your job. You're going to, you know, look for uh, structural issues. You're going to, you know, check for routine maintenance items. Uh, you're going to start filling out your uh, whatever system you have for planning out your day for your growers, uh, how to keep them on task. You're going to you're going to deal with people calling in. You're going to deal with uh, emails. Uh, you're going to make sure that, you know, if, if you left people there the day before, that they did what they were supposed to before they left so that your crew coming in this morning doesn't have to clean up or do anything but start their day because their day as soon as they come in is, uh, you know, they, well, if there's nothing on the board, they ask me what to do or they just start doing it, uh, what they normally do, which is uh, they're going to start taking uh, – Soil readings, they're going to start uh, writing down temperatures, uh, humidity, times. Uh, they're going to start prepping uh, mixes, for instance, uh, any feed mixes that's going to happen. They're going to start uh, uh, filling out logs uh, for all of the things uh, for a walkthrough because, uh, you know, as the manager, you're going to, of course, do a, a main facility walkthrough, but these guys are going to check each room, uh, write down all the information. They're going to check uh any physical problems on the plants uh they're going to go through and look for insects uh anything that's there it's not supposed to be there any types of uh you know fungus or molds or anything like that so uh, uh that usually should take about an hour to just do their walkthroughs do their pest checks um it's it's you know they 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 should know what they're doing you know watering happens watering is you know they they make their mix and the mix is made based on uh the phase of life so if it's vegetative you know they'll get uh one of our vegetative mixes that is uh predetermined on a schedule on a calendar outside the room by the grow manager use these soil samples uh ph and ec specifically to determine the average in the room uh, or in certain areas if there's problem areas and then they will make the mix according to the plant's needs um if it's an organic feeding day you know if they're to get their uh, bacteria, microbes, uh, you know, mycorrhizae, any any type of uh, organic amendments you're adding, um, they'll make a different mix. And, you know, the room's usually left to dry a little bit more the day before so that the whole room can get a nice good feeding. Um, yeah, and then they'll so go. You, you, they water daily. Yes, 
Every room's watered daily because each plant is watered when it's needed. So they'll actually go through each table by hand, check the weight. They'll check the cocoa pot, the cocoa smart pot for its, you know, water content. They'll visually inspect them as well as check the weight by hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, once it's, you know, dry enough as determined by the grow manager and the time of life of the plant, uh, they'll water the only the plants that need watering and the rest will probably get watered the next day. It's usually about half and half. Uh, when it goes through, we grow in uh, three-gallon smart pots. In straight cocoa? In straight cocoa, yes. Right. Yeah. How big are these plants? Our canopy's probably about, uh, the plants are probably around four feet tall. When they're um, finished? Yep, when they're right. finished flowering. Um, yeah, after they're done watering, um, that's when plant work happens. Uh, you'll, they'll start pruning if they need to prune. Um, however, canopy management that they need to do, that day, my guys are typically pretty good at just knowing what to do. It's it's rope by now. They know exactly how mm-hmm. how I like it, how to make them pop. So, um, you know, if you're training someone though, you'll you'll take them through different areas and show them different ways of you know how to make different strains. Uh, do what you want them to do or need them to do, or what not to do to certain strains or to you know stop anything from freaking out on you. You know, in the in the propagation side, they'll you know, uh, come in and do all the same things, but to all the clones, you know, they'll check their specific needs and um, they'll usually start cloning, you know, depending on our needs. Uh, it's not that that heavy. Yeah, and it's pretty much plant work the rest of the day. You know, they, they, they do metric daily, which is the, the tracking system. So um, that's that's time consuming to say the least. It's that's yes, why it's a common complaint with yeah. my guests. Yeah, and it, it's right. you know it allows us to do what we do. So that's that's where I tell mm, them. Got to pay to play. That's right. So <laughs> uh, actually, I we we had a, a good talk with our, our MED investigators today um, about some issues in metric. They came to our facility after we had a small problem with what I'm going to say is a lack a lapse in the system. But uh, we talked to them about it, and you know it was a really good exchange. I really like. Right, it's like, investigators. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess we fucked up. Yeah, most people <laughs> most people think that way, but you know, we we strive so much for 100 percent compliance, right? Uh, because because, yeah. because our our president Your is job. Dan Anglin. He's personally written these laws, some of these laws that that I'm governed by every day. So, you know, to 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 not be would just kind of be a slap in the face to to not only him, but you know, to the industry leaders as a whole who allow us to do this and and protect us. So. Uh, we, that's one of our main goals and our, you know, that we, when we have new hires that we make sure that they understand, uh, you know, when you signed up to get your badge, you agreed to read, read and follow the, all the rules. So they have to do that. They have to read them. Uh, and they, we have to follow all of them. We have our, a compliance specialist in-house every day working on everything all the time because of how often they change. But, uh, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's about it. Nick Roday. So you, you, you guys hand water. Yep, hand water each day. How big is this your facility? We have about two hundred lights, two hundred lights in flower. When do you guys construct this? Um, we didn't construct this. Um, the grows were built by uh, the previous owner. So you guys got uh, HPS lights, or yes, yeah, HPS yep. lights. Yeah. Uh, so this is a, a, an older built facility. It, it is. Um, I'll describe it as a. Uh, a basement grow on steroids. Uh, it's, it, <laughs> you can do it a million different ways, man. Yeah, that's you can. For sure. it, it, like, and like right. you said, it, it's old. So back then, so, you know, probably, I don't know, six years ago when it was mm-hmm. built or so, you know, it was 
perfectly fine. It, it resembled most grow rooms, but the shift uh, into more, uh, you know, automated uh, greenhouse type uh, systems have definitely made it quite obsolete, but mm-hmm. um, it works. So, uh, like I said, we get what yeah, we... you don't have to have, like, the newest, best technology. No, you don't. We, we grow right. some amazing stuff, you know, uh, with some of the oldest technology. It's, but like, you know, like you said, it's, you know, it's time, temperatures, pressures, you know, right. ECs, pHs, you know, ECs and pH can't say enough. If you don't have a pH mm-hmm. meter and EC meter, why bother? So, <laughs> yeah, man. So, uh, one of the benefits cocoa people have with cocoa is that, that you can reuse this product and, uh, totally. it, it makes it, it, I know in, our, in the, this industry it makes it hard to reuse it but, but you guys reuse cocoa yeah we we definitely do uh most of it is used for our, to mix our green waste with uh it's one of our rules but um we definitely will take uh some some used cocoa when we empty our smart pots because we reuse those as well which is another reason why we love them uh just throw them in a washing machine we'll actually use the cocoa to start uh as our uh the first transplants our clones make into smaller pots we'll actually use uh reuse cocoa for that uh we'll uh we flush it really well i can't think of it right now but it's just like a calcium solution we just flush them really really well sure. and we rinse them out of the water and uh then we flush them with a ph really light ph water mix and uh they're really they they take off they love it they're good to go yeah wow awesome yeah i love to hear that man there's so much non-sustainable stuff in our industry cocoa is one of those things you really can you know continue to reuse as, as long as you clean in clean out healthy definitely. in, healthy out definitely right it's uh it's always a shame to see so much of it go to waste you know yep yeah yeah if we yeah it's it's the waste thing is a shame because we have to use we have to throw away so much of it just to mix our our, our unusable material because you know ignorance is mm-hmm. bliss in the legislature sometimes so they just don't understand that we would never throw away something that you could use to get high. You know, that why, what, what are we doing? If that, if yeah, throwing right. away THC, that doesn't make sense. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, we would totally reuse more of it. And there were, there's plenty of companies who have come in and offered to, to take it and compost it. And every time we have to tell them no, because you, we're not allowed to let you do that. It has to be, we've got like two options. They have to be a state licensed garbage facility or, or, or whatever it is, waste management or something. So right, right. Uh, people ask me about it all the time. I've had composting license. I've made soil for years and tough pickle there on that one. Yep. That's for sure. What they're trying to do is that there are some groups of people trying to lobby the legislature to write laws that will allow mm-hmm. composting specifically from cannabis cultivation facilities mm-hmm. because they do produce, like I said, we, they prune, daily so uh, especially when when you go through and flower and you you, you do some big prunes uh it's uh, a lot of waste is produced and it's it's a shame we can't we're not even allowed to compost it so right 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 yeah well hey man that's you know one of the the many problems in the regulated cannabis industry i've often heard people say it's that they hope it doesn't get regulated to death right right you know we, we talked about this earlier but uh uh, are there some specific like problems you've had to overcome or like, you know, what's the biggest problem here? Uh, insects, people. There have been a few people, but you know, mainly it would be, uh, well, yeah. Insects. I would say, um, we share one of our buildings. We share a grow with, uh, 
three other grows now. There's three other license holders in this in this warehouse. So a lot of times uh, we feel like we're just chasing the bugs back and forth between each of the grows because you know you'll get rid of them <laughs> and then you'll see them again. Um, but uh, we like to use we don't we don't spray and flower um, because it would can, the our biggest priority is to grow a cannabis plant without contaminating mm. the resins on it. Awesome. That's so awesome. Um, that's from the inside or the out. So um, like we don't spray and flower. Uh, we use predatory mites. Um, they are by and far the best thing I've ever seen to deal with pest problems. They'll, you can get a bug to eat any other bug that won't lay its eggs in your plant. So um, we use those in, in our vegetative state primarily. Um, each flower room does get, first couple of weeks does get some legionnaires we'll call them some lone soldiers or mm-hmm. whatever just to make sure that anything that comes in doesn't last long so uh, we take good care to clean our rooms um, and to keep our warehouse clean and and painted fresh so uh, to try and stave off any new bugs coming in we have sticky mats and you know uh, all that stuff so and when uh, you say spray it's all uh, uh, legal for for you to spray product. It's uh, organic product, uh, pyrethrums or uh, um, neem oil extracts or soaps or essential oils. That's what you mean, right? For us, yeah. For your, you, you say spray. Uh, you know, many oh, people right. are concerned yeah, about pesticides. Yeah, that's use. right. We don't. Spray. I just want to like you know yeah. say that. Right? Yeah, they're <laughs> pesticides. Yeah, we don't spray. We don't spray anything in flour. So right. Um, and on our vegetative plants, yeah, you're we're only allowed to use what's been approved by uh, the uh, MED and the mm-hmm. Colorado Department of Agriculture. Uh, I am, I am, and so are some of my employees licensed by the, the Department of Agriculture here in Colorado. You know that they come in on their own and do their own inspections, and they have their own set of rules and their own set of requirements as far as bookkeeping and logs. And it's very strict. It served the industry well. Now that they have the uh, time and money to enforce it hey let's take a break uh this is chip the real dirt and i'm here with austin with americana denver normal is an organization that advocates for the rights of every marijuana consumer in the maha city while also creating long-lasting partnerships with local businesses that share our values a deep love for the community the cannabis plant and a commitment to educate our audiences thanks denver normal So what's next, man? What's next in the industry? Can you see trends coming? Well, I, uh, I'm going to talk about Canada now. So I like to Canada. I like to look at Canada. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so Canada is 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 a national medical system, and they're looking at creating a national uh, recreational system. So um, Canada is interesting because uh, they can trade uh, with Spain and Uruguay and Israel and Germany, I believe, um, all these countries are having laws in their federal marijuana programs that allow the import and export of their products to other like countries. So, mm. um, I, I definitely like, uh, the look of Canada. that. So, uh, as far as like America, Canada. uh, the immediate future is very hazy because, you know, you know, so, uh, as soon as you know some people can pull some heads out of you know where we'll uh maybe get some some good legislation happening on a federal level 
and uh, maybe then we can see some uh, some sort of you know uh, interstate commerce uh, between some you know some of these states um, to try and uh, uh, just make it easier to get make it even easier to get uh, and you know better quality if if better quality across the, uh, the 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 world globally yeah yeah right and then be, yeah bro spain to spain to canada to israel i can yeah. see the smuggling route now <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a smuggling route then no yeah oh yeah so uh, yeah the fda and whoever else they need to they need to get it together i think so yeah, I agree, man. As long as long as we continue to have uh, federal prohibition, it's just going to continue problems for the business. Yeah, you know. Yeah, the research side as well. Uh, just absolutely. You know, just, the R and D just being has able, never even started, really. Right. Just yeah, letting some of these, you know, crazy, you know, pharmaceutical grade lab, labs and colleges and research centers and things like that, you know, to to actually be able to get their hands on this plant and put it through the rigor, you know, put it through real scientific processes, you know, to really, you know, expand the knowledge on the drug. You know, Israel's pioneering that still, you know, they're, there's, mm-hmm. you know, going to be making even more waves here soon. I'm sure. Um, as far as the, you know, the expansion of our understanding of the cannabinoids and the endocannabinoid system, um, which, you know, which, goes into, you know, I think we've only scratched the surface when it comes to cannabinoids. You know, we know what THC and CBD do mainly and a few others, but there's been very little breeding into the realm of other cannabinoid types. And so I think with um, the future being like one of the good things about distilling cannabis is you can actually get it to the point where you can separate them by distilling them. Uh, so that's going to allow you to uh, custom make medications for individuals. Um, you know, say say it's CBG and CBN and cannabinoids we don't even know exist yet because we just haven't found them or have right. any time to study. You know, once we get get the opportunity to really delve into grossly large size breeding projects, you know, right. like like Kansas cornfield style, you know, like once we can get into that and really expand the cannabinoid profile and range and the availability of them all to do experimentation. And, you know, that's really going to take the industry further, I think, because then you can get exactly what you want. You know, you can either get a custom mix made for you or, you know, just try, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, different standards that, you know, they could, who knows what, what they could be, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I need a custom mix. Yeah, I need, <laughs> I need, you know, I, I want these 13 white Wave the out. wand over and make me a custom mix, man. Yeah. Uh, that sounds awesome. The future, it's here. Yeah. Well, hey, man, it's been an awesome episode. I think it's uh, time for me to eat one of these uh, um, uh, treats you gave, brought over here. I'm going to gobble a couple of these down. Sounds good. Call it a day. This has been Chip with The Real Dirt and Austin with Americana. Thanks, Austin. Thank you, Chip. Thanks for joining us here today, guys. It's a pleasure speaking to Austin from Americana. Learned about what it takes to be a grower in today's edible and extraction industry. 
and was really fascinated to find out that he was kind of a jack of all trades and could do everything from extraction to growing and selecting fine cannabis. Thanks again to Austin and thank everyone for listening. If you want to find more out about Americana or Austin, check them out on the website at therealdirt.com. If you want to subscribe to future episodes of The Real Dirt or previous ones, look us up on iTunes at The Real Dirt Podcast. That's right. Stay high. Thank you.